I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Sit back and enjoy the stroke play of Meg Lanny. This is excellent batting by Ash Gardner. Jonathan strikes again. She's on a hat-trick. She comes at Molyneux. Catch is taken by Perry. The Australian women's cricket team win their fifth T20 World Cup title in front of a magical crowd at the MCG. Welcome to the very first episode of The Scoop. We are the cricket podcast dedicated to the women's game. My name is Laura Jolly. I'm Emily Collin, and we are part of the cricket.com.au team. We are the lucky ones who get to dedicate most of our time to the girls, closely following the movements of the Aussie women's cricket team, as well as the two elite domestic competitions, the WBBL and the WNCL. Laura, or LJ as she's known to most around the traps, is the women's cricket editor for cricket.com.au. And M is the social media producer for women's elite cricket. Each week, we're going to start off the show discussing what's gone down in the world of women's cricket. You will be very hard-pressed to find anyone more across the detail of what's going on in the game than LJ. So prepare for some wonderful insights there. And each week we'll be persuading some of the superstars of the game to come on the show and join us for a chat. We have certainly had some luck this week. Joining us on the show a little bit later on is Meg Lanning, Aussie captain, one of the best players we've ever seen play the game. So Meg has been in hotel quarantine in Brisbane ahead of the Aussie series against New Zealand and sure she'll have plenty of stories to share from her time in isolation. First segment this week and the first segment every week, we will have the power play. So this is where we'll catch up on all the news topics of the week, so all the talking points, thinking injuries, updates, team movements, player movements, all that sort of fun stuff. Firstly, I guess it would be pretty hard to start off a podcast in 2020 without mentioning the pandemic and the impact that COVID-19 has had on sport around the world. So if we go back to March 8, obviously just an incredible day in women's cricket, not only women's cricket, women's sport and sport in general. For mine, it was definitely the best day of the year. I don't know if you agree with me there, LJ. Um yeah, there's no competition there. I'd go so far as to say it's been the best day of the past 10 years. <laughs> Definitely. It was it was pretty epic. I'm sure everyone who was there would agree with us. Uh, so we're obviously talking about the night Australia thrashed India in the T20 World Cup final in front of a mega MCG crowd. LJ, you've covered the team for a long time now and you were there throughout the whole tournament from start to finish. What are your lasting memories from that whole tournament? <laughs> Where to start? Just that, that night at the MCG from when the crowd started flocking well before the match and you, you realised it was actually going to be full. 
through to that performance from the Australian team, which was the most complete performance I've ever seen them play. It was just perfect. And right through to dancing on stage with Katy Perry in the aftermath, I just, you couldn't have scripted a a better night and it's made all the more remarkable when you consider what happened since. If that game had happened one week later, there wouldn't have been a crowd at all. So it was just incredible the way it all came together. Yeah, it was pretty amazing. And I know we've spoken about this before, but it was a weird situation for the Aussies because obviously with the tournament on home soil and there was this huge push for a world record crowd at the MCG, it was almost like they were not only competing in the tournament, but they were expected to promote it as well. Yeah, um, when you set yourself a goal of filling the MCG for a match, you, you kind of need the home team to be there and that obviously put a lot of pressure on the Australians who, even though they are the number one team in the world, it's T20 cricket, there are never any guarantees. So there was a lot riding on them making that final and, and they did look a bit shaky early and I think the pressure you know, it had a bit of an impact, but to their credit, they took that on board, they embraced it, they... Uh, I think they spoke about the spirit of the Black Panther. They absorbed the pressure and pushed it back out onto their enemies or their, their competing teams. And they they just thrived in the end. You saw in front of that crowd on the 8th, India looked a bit shaky. They were daunted by that. And on the other hand, Elisa Healy and Beth Mooney just came out and played the, the knocks of their lives. It was just yeah. incredible. All class. It was definitely one of the nights to remember. But then... Everything changed from there pretty quickly, didn't it? I mean, five days later, well, you had your suitcase packed. You were ready to head off to South Africa to cover a bilateral series. But, yeah, that didn't even eventuate. No, it didn't. Um, Yeah, one day after the World Cup, everyone was standing at Federation Square talking about how they couldn't believe they were going to have to be on a plane to South Africa that very time a week later. As it turned out, a couple of days later, we all got the call saying the trip was off. And at the time... The pandemic wasn't that serious in Australia. It was still building around the world. We didn't really realise what it was going to become, so a few people were very disappointed by that news. In hindsight, it was an incredibly good decision not to go because just weeks later, Australia's borders closed, mandatory quarantine came in. For the team to have been stuck overseas under those circumstances would have been incredibly difficult, so it all worked out very well. Yeah, so since then, I guess we've had pretty much maybe four months without any live sport, which has been... A bit of a challenge for everyone who loves live sport, which is, yeah, a large percentage of the population. And, yeah, it's been tough. Obviously, there's been a lot of events cancelled, postponed. We know the uh, 50 over World Cup, which was scheduled to be held in New Zealand in February, March next year. That's had to be postponed by the ICC, which is definitely unfortunate. But, yeah, it's just one of those things. I guess no one could have predicted the impacts of this pandemic. But, Thankfully, we've seen some men's cricket back on our screens. Uh, We've all seen the Aussie men's team playing over in England, which has been great to watch. But even better and even more exciting news, we are on the brink of returning international women's cricket to Australia, which is just awesome. It's so good. We can't wait. Um, Australia taking on New Zealand in three T20s, three ODIs, all in a biosecure hub in Brisbane, which is not the kind of term we ever imagined we would have been using this year. Originally, the series was going to be played at North Sydney Oval with matches in northern Queensland as well. But with travel restrictions and very strict safety measures needed, the decision was made to play it all at AB Field. And that all begins on Saturday. As far as preparations go, it's obviously been a pretty completely different uh, lead into a series than the Aussie girls would have ever experienced before. So Victorian and New South Wales players have all spent two weeks in hotel quarantine, which is in accordance with Queensland law. Uh, LJ, I know you chatted to Sophie Molyneux, who's been 
with the Vic squad on their specific level in the hotel. How did she seem to be finding the experience? Yeah, Sophie was kind enough to uh, make some time in quarantine to have a chat. It sounded like the Australians were definitely enjoying their, their very strict two hours of outdoors training time every day. She said they were like dogs off leashes when they, they got outdoors. They were just so excited to be outside the hotel. Um, and it's obviously really important for them to have that time. They're elite athletes. They're going into a series that has six matches in 12 days. You have to have your bowling loads up. You have to have your running loads up. So they are incredibly grateful that they've been permitted to have that training time. We also spoke to Meg Lanning, who was living that life in the Victorian bubble and had plenty to tell us about the life she's been living in Brisbane. Let's go to Meg now. Now to the undisputed highlight of the episode. We've got Aussie captain Meg Lanning joining us from Brisbane. Meg, welcome to The Scoop. We are absolutely stoked to have you as our first guest. We're going to start with a bit of a corona quiz today. So we've seen a few (laughs) few weird (laughs) trends emerging in this pandemic. So we're just going to ask you a few questions about some of the things that you've been doing in these unprecedented times. Yep. Okay. Go for it. (laughs) So Meg, have you watched Tiger King? I watched one episode of Tiger King and I didn't, I didn't go back. I I couldn't deal with it. Any other TV shows of choice that you've had, Meg? Uh, I got into the Michael Jordan documentary, Early Doors. Uh, I found that really interesting. Um, but other than that, I, I didn't really watch a lot of Netflix, I must admit. I uh, just sort of, yeah, I'm actually not sure I do what I did with my time, but it wasn't on Netflix, that's for sure. Fair enough. What about a loaf of sourdough bread? Have you cooked one? <laughs> I didn't know. I was in the... Uh, Banana cake, banana muffin sort of uh, set up though. Uh, added a few chopped chips as well. That was always very important. Uh, I did do a fair bit of baking actually over the ISO period. Um, nice. It's nice to be home and cooking a fair bit and, um, yeah, doing a little bit of baking as well. So that was that was nice. Do you feel like you improved? Uh, not sure. I sort of changed up the recipes every now and again and not always did it come out better. <laughs> uh, I used a, like a 90% dark chocolate in one of And uh, I I gave some to, I delivered some to mum and um, she was not impressed with the dark edition. She wanted milk chocolate, so that didn't go down very well. And did you do any puzzles during the ISO period? I did. I completed one puzzle uh, and then I got a sore neck from like leaning over too much. Uh, So that ended that pretty quick. So uh, I reckon I finished one and then that was it. And what about any home improvement or renovation tasks? Uh, the only one I can talk about is the side of my house actually got graffitied. Uh, it's, it's, it's sort of along the laneway and it's a nice white painted wall. And if I was a graffiti, I mean, I wouldn't call it art what was on my wall, but Ooh. if I was a graffiti artist, uh, it was a pretty good blank canvas. So, uh, yeah, I spent a couple of days painting over that uh, early on in isolation. So that's probably the only home improvements that I was able to make. A forced home improvement. Yeah, it, was, it wasn't good what was on the side. I'm not sure what it was, but I didn't want it, want it there for public viewing. Fair enough. And you're a Victorian. Do you reckon you've watched more or less than 10 Dan Andrews press conferences? <laughs> uh, probably more than 10, uh, but I stopped watching uh, in the last sort of couple of months. Uh, it was just getting... A little bit sad watching it all, to be honest. It was all very negative and uh, especially when we were sort of just starting stage four lockdown and it was sort of getting pretty serious. Um, 
there wasn't much positive news, so I, I switched Dan off, unfortunately. Are you the sort of person that wakes up every morning and needs to know the number? <laughs> uh, not anymore. I used to be. I used to sort of be, be hanging on, on what the number was, especially when it was getting pretty pretty serious through that um, yeah, early stage four lockdown period. But, uh, yeah, now that I'm out of the state, I guess it, it's not as in your, your face as it is in Melbourne. It's actually been interesting um, being in a different state because you don't hear a lot about it, to be honest, about what, hap- what is happening in Melbourne. So, and look, so just looking out, seeing people and uh, they're just carrying on as if life is normal and uh, not really, I don't think they have quite an understanding of what is going on in Melbourne if you're actually living it. So you can see why because there's not much information that actually gets, gets up here. So now we're done with the Corona quiz, Meg. Let's catch up on what you've been up to in the last few weeks. So you've been in hotel quarantine in Brizzy. So how's it been? Like what have you been doing and what have you been doing yeah, to keep yourself entertained? Uh, to be honest, there, there wasn't a lot that was happening during uh, the quarantine period. We were allowed out to, to train for two and a half hours each day, uh, which was a step up from back in Melbourne. We were only allowed three training sessions a, a week. So uh, the VIX were pretty stoked with, with that, to be honest. Uh, and so that was sort of the highlight of the day, the, the training. Uh, it was sort of morning one day and then afternoon the next. So we got to experience sort of different times of the day. Uh, there was a table tennis table set up, but I don't think that really got used on, on the big floor. Uh, a little bit of Xbox. Um, I was cutting a few laps around my room to get my steps up because I can't sit still at the best of times. Uh, and luckily we got a treadmill on the, the floor as well. That got a bit of a, a workout too. So uh, yeah, apart from that, I just, I felt like I was either training, eating or uh, getting my steps up. So that's pretty much it. And can you talk us through some of the protocols and preparations you had to go through just to get to Brisbane in the first place? Yeah, so the Victorians, we were actually on a charter flight uh, up to Brisbane, uh, which was a new experience for all of us. Uh, We flew out of Essendon Airport instead of Melbourne Airport um, and we we had to get a sort of a private transfer to the airport. We couldn't use taxis or anything like that just to try and limit the amount of people that we came in contact with, I guess. And, yeah, a little plane with propellers took us up to Brisbane, which... I think a few of us were a little nervous, nervous about, especially when they said you're all the front of the plane for a reason because it's weight distributed uh, well. So uh, we sat very still on the <laughs> takeoff and landing to make sure that that remained the case. Uh, and then, yes, obviously, Victoria and New South Wales are on different floors, uh, so we didn't interact with them at all uh, while we are at the hotel and even just going down in the the lifts only four in a lift at a time uh and we had to make sure new south wales had sort of cleared the building before we started going down in the lifts um separate buses to and from the ground uh masks on in the lifts and on the buses hand sanitizer stations just throughout uh the the grounds and things like that i think the one at ab field is actually like 100 percent alcohol it's like <laughs> it literally like rum was <laughs> it's killing anything that comes near it uh, yeah, and just like just staying you know, 1.5 minutes away from each other and, and little things like that. And um, yeah, it, it was sort of a, a different experience. Certainly, you had to think a little bit more about what you were doing. A lot of things are ingrained in us, even sort of picking the ball up and throwing it back to the bowler when you're, you're batting, you've got to hit it back now. It just it seems really rude to not throw it back. Um, so, we're not really following cricket uh, etiquette there, but uh, yeah, it just sort of got to think a little bit more about what you're doing and try and make sure we're following the protocols as as well as we can. 
Yeah. And how are all your teammates going? Are you all sort of used to being around people again? And has any of your teammates been doing anything fun? Uh, we're getting much better. The Vicks, uh, the, the New South Wales girls, the first couple of days uh, were not impressed with us because we'd forgotten how to communicate with other people. Uh, very shy and we weren't really sure what to say. So we copped it a little bit from them, them early on. But we've been much better uh, the last few weeks. So um, that's good to see. Uh, but yeah, apart from that, it's just been nice to be able to see other people eat, eat meals with, with other people. We're able to sort of hang in the common room a little bit, have a coffee and uh, do that sort of stuff. So it's been nice to be able to hang out with other people. We um, did hear a little rumour that you may have had a haircut. <laughs> uh, yes, that's correct. Uh, because in Melbourne, hairdressers closed for for at least a few months. Um, so it was getting a little bit out of control, unfortunately, uh, and just need a little snippy snip. Uh, and uh, Sophie Molyneux is the resident hairdresser. And, uh, I mean, it did concern me a little bit when she was cutting it and going like, this is uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre going on back here. That made me a little bit nervous as she was doing it. Uh, but I think it's a good result. I'm happy with it. Um, and, yeah. If I hadn't have had it, it would have been five months or something, and that's just a little bit too long. So Sophie's done an excellent job. Nice. Has she cut any any of the others hair? Uh, Pez, I think, and Molly as well. Uh, and everyone's been very nice. pleased with the results. So uh, she might have found a hobby cool. on, the, on the side. Nice. Ongoing side hustle. Meg, you are obviously living in Melbourne under stage four COVID restrictions for a pretty long time, and that's a pretty limited way to you know, be an elite athlete. Is there anything you set up or any sort of extra fitness activities you took on to sort of cope with the stage four restrictions? Uh, yeah, I was lucky enough to uh, get a little bit of gym equipment uh, from my local gym. Uh, Simon down there helps me out to get a barbell and a few weights and things like that. So I, I've got a nice little courtyard out the back of my place, which provides just enough uh, space to, to get some gym done. So uh, that really did save me a a little bit especially because there was a few weeks there where we were sort of locked out of Junction Oval as well where we couldn't go in and do gym so uh, that sort of kept me going and uh, yeah apart from that I did a little bit of home Pilates sessions um, which with no equipment you, you'd think they wouldn't be that difficult but they they are mm-hmm. I can assure you of that as I mentioned before I find it hard to sit still the best of time so uh, I just tried to think about how I could maximize that time to get as many steps in as I could. <laughs> And the Vicks have spent a lot of time together this winter and now up in Brisbane. Is there anyone you've been really impressed with with their training so far who you might think might have a big impact on this series coming up? Yeah, I think Annabelle Sutherland is the one there. Uh, she's built really nicely uh, and she's just, you know, with a little bit of training under her belt. This is actually her first proper pre-season really. Uh, she was still doing year 12 last year. So uh, just to see how much she's improved both physically and, and from a cricket sense as well has been really impressive. She's an absolute beast. Uh, she's going to dominate in the years to come. Uh, she already looks like she really belongs uh, at, at this level of training with everyone here. So uh, I think we'll see a lot of her moving forward. And Meg, you've taken on the role of Victorian mentor. Is that correct? Uh, I'm not sure. What do you mean? <laughs> coaching coaching role for the Vicks? Coach. Oh, so you prefer uh, the term coach. You're going with coach, are you? I think coach is a little bit far-fetched. Okay. Uh, I think uh, facilitator is probably a facilitator. Okay. Well, how's that been? Have you been, like, what's your approach? Are you strict? Are you getting the girls to run laps or just kind of passing on a bit of wisdom? 
Uh, well, to be honest, so, so I was in charge with, for our last couple of weeks in, in Melbourne uh, before we we left uh, for quarantine because we weren't allowed anyone external to come in and, and help us out. And uh, the Vic coaches were busy taking care of the, the state players. So uh, I was in charge. Uh, but to be honest, we, we sort of got given our training time slots and they were very strict on times. Like it was like three hours and we weren't allowed to go over that at all. So that was already dictated to us. So I didn't have to worry too much about that, which was nice. But uh, I started off printing out the net sessions on a, you know, on a computer and printing it out. But by the end of it, I was just scribbling it down on a bit of a piece of paper. Uh, so I got a bit lazy towards the back end. Uh, but it did mean I had to throw a fair bit on the flinger, uh, which all us Victorians have been practising a lot, actually, because that's all we could do. Because the fast bowl only bowls so many mm. balls, unfortunately. Uh, so we had to start practising on that. So we've actually got quite good the VIX. Uh, and that can, has continued since we've been up here in Brisbane as well. So it's um, it's good. I get pretty competitive, actually. I try to get a few wickets here and there and when I try and throw it a little bit too fast a little bit of a beamer comes out still which used to have my bowl as well so I haven't lost that side of things um but uh yeah I, I wouldn't call what I was doing coaching I uh, just facilitating facilitating okay we'll go with Victorian yeah. facilitator nice <laughs> <laughs> so has it been good to sort of well I guess put into put into a bit of practice the stuff that you've been learning in your in your coaching courses yeah it was good uh you just sort of work out there's you know a whole lot more that goes into it rather than just chucking a few names on a piece of paper in the, in the nets and uh things like that you got people who are restricted and can't do certain things or and it changes on the day uh, uh, so yeah you just gotta take all those things into account it was a really good eye-opening experience I guess just to see all the different people you have to liaise with you have to make sure that the oval's free you know, make sure the turf nets are available like stuff like that which as a player you don't even think about when you turn up to training but there's a bit of work that goes on behind the scenes so it was good to uh, experience that and see what it's like. Now we've got the first T20 coming up on Saturday. What's the rivalry like between Australia and New Zealand? Yeah, it's a really good rivalry. Uh, it's sort of changed a little bit over the last few years, especially because we know each other so well on and off the field, uh, probably through WBBL and playing alongside a few of the Kiwis as well. So uh, there's nowhere to hide on the, on the field against these guys. Uh, I think, yeah, both us and, and they would say that we know each other's games pretty well and uh, that makes it a really competitive series and um, you know, really good challenge as well. So they've got some really world-class players who are a match winners, obviously led by Sophie Devine, who uh, is extremely dangerous. So uh, it's going to be a great series. We're looking forward to it and uh, we know that we'll have to play really good cricket over you know over the six games to get the result that we want. Yeah, you, you mentioned how competitive they are and yet it's been a couple of years before they've uh, since they've beaten Australia, do you do you think there is a gap between the teams, or it's just gone your way in those crunch moments? Uh, I think we've we've definitely done well in the crunch moments, so especially over the last two years. I think that's become a real strength of our group is playing well in the big moments and big games, and I think that's probably been the, the difference. You know, just the fact that uh, yeah, we've had experience in those big moments sort of does does give us a, a lot of confidence to to play well, but. Um, as I said, that they've been close, so we need to make sure we continue to do that. Now, it's been 20 years, Meg, since New Zealand have won the Rose Bowl trophy. Um, so for those who aren't aware, that is the ODI Trans-Tasman Series trophy. So they've come pretty close at times, and obviously they've got a great squad. So it's a, it's a pretty impressive record. Do you feel, as captain, a bit of pressure not to be the one to give that trophy back? <laughs> uh, I guess when you say it like that, uh, uh, perhaps there's a 
bit. But uh, yeah, that, that's a really good record that Australia has, and, and considering that New Zealand is such a, a good team with with match winners. So uh, yeah, I've I've heard that the Kiwis are pretty keen to get the trophy back, and uh, we're certainly very keen to to keep it. So um, yeah, the, the girls will be hungry to play some good cricket. We haven't played for a little while, so everyone's just really happy to, to be back out and be able to play some cricket in in these times when there was a lot of uncertainty and we weren't really sure whether it was going to happen or not. So uh, we're all really excited and um, looking forward to the challenge and hopefully at the end of it, we've still got the Rose Bowl. Now, um, Molly Strano is back in the international ranks after her late World Cup warm-up and she's back again for this series. You've obviously seen a lot of her and played a lot with her over the years with Victoria and Australia. How have you seen her evolve her game through that time? Yeah, I think she's done a, a really good job to continue to be very successful. Obviously, in the first few years of WBBL, she did an excellent job and took keeps of wickets. And uh, I think she's been able to add some slight changes to her game and um, just sort of be able to vary things up a little bit more because people will sort of do work out how to play you a little bit better, especially with all the vision and, and things like that out there at the moment. So for her to be able to stay so successful over the five, six seasons at domestic level and then come in uh, at the Australian level and do well as well, it just sort of shows that she's been able to adapt and evolve her game really well. And uh, she's a great person to have around, really lively and really adds to, to the group. So it's nice to see her here in Brizzy and uh, I'm sure if she gets her chance throughout the series, she'll do really well. Yeah, you mentioned a record in the WBBL. She's the highest wicket taker in the competition's history, I think. What is it that makes her so tough to play um, in T20? I think it's the flying saucers that she bowls. Like she, she swings the ball. I don't know how she does it. I don't actually think she knows how she does it sometimes. But with the new ball, she actually get, yeah, gets a bit of movement, a bit of swing. And, um, yeah, I guess she's just really good at, at bowling when batters are coming out like coming at her really hard and, and she's good at uh, working out what to do in those situations. You know, sometimes, especially spin balls, it can be hard when batters are coming coming down the wicket at you, wanting to debate you out of the park. It, it can be hard to sort of adapt to that. But I think she's been really good at that. And the, the other thing which is really impressive is she can bowl at any time in the innings. So she can open the bowling, she can bowl back-end power play, middle overs, and then even at the death, I'd be very comfortable with her bowling a few overs. So um, the fact that she can do that, I, I think, um, is a credit to her. And also, Meg, so we know Elise Perry had that pretty terrible hamstring injury during the World Cup um, and is in this squad fitness pending. How is her recovery tracking ahead of the first game? Yeah, she's going really well. Uh, she's been joining in the you know some of the skill sessions and uh, doing a fair bit of running and gym work as well. So uh, she's sticking along nicely. I'm not exactly sure where she's at in terms of return to, to play, but uh, from, from what I've seen, she's moving really well. So uh, I'm sure that the medical staff and her and Moni and the coaching staff will work out a, a plan for, for when um, she's able to come back and play. But uh, she's put in a lot of hard work and um, I'm sure she'll be back really soon. Yeah, obviously you've had a close-up view of her recovery, like training with the Vicks. Um, how much work throughout the last four months, I guess, has she been putting into getting herself ready for this series? Yeah, heaps. Uh, she's obviously very professional and does everything that, that she needs to do to get herself right and, and probably more, to be honest. So, uh, yeah, yeah, she'll be back as early as, as she can and um, yeah, she, she won't rush it, I guess. It, it's really important with these things that we, we wait until – She's ready to go, but, uh, yeah, she's certainly not leaving anything behind trying to get back as quickly as she can. Um, so, it's um, yeah, it's exciting that she's around the group. Uh, obviously a world-class player and uh, hopefully we can see her not too far away. 
Alrighty, Meg, thank you so much for joining us on The Scoop. It's been an absolute pleasure to chat. Good luck for the series against New Zealand. We hope the Rose Bowl stays with the Aussies. So make sure you tune in to that series starting on September 26. Thanks for having me, guys. Okay, now let's look ahead to the T20. So Australia are playing three T20s against the White Ferns, all at AB Field. Australia have named an extended 18-person squad and we've got three new squad members, which is really great to see. We've got Belinda Vakariwa and Talia McGrath, both who have been named in the Aussie squad before, but not for a little while, plus Maitland Brown, who's earned her first ever international call-up. So we'll start off with Belinda. She's earned this spot off an outstanding WBBL. She moved to the Hobart Hurricanes from the Sydney Thunder at the start of last season. And it's a move that's really paid off for her. It absolutely has. She's, yeah, one of the three pace bowlers who's been brought into the squad for this series. She um, was looking for more opportunity, which is why she went down to the Hurricanes at the Thunder. She'd been lucky to bowl maybe two overs a match. Um, Sally Ann Briggs, the Hobart coach, gave her a lot of responsibility. She was bowling four overs every game last WBBL season. She finished as the most prolific pace bowler with the ball bag of wickets and has quite rightly earned this call-up. She, I think she was very unlucky to miss out in the spot in the T20 World Cup squad earlier this year. So it's really great to see her get another chance. The last time she was in the Aussie squad was in 2018 in India. She was only named in the ODI squad for that series. Came over to India, got a bit of bit of a crook belly really early on, spent most of the trip being sick and recovered just in time to catch her plane home. So she's definitely going to be looking for a, um, a better experience this time around. And we've also got Talia McGrath. So Talia McGrath has earned her first Aussie contract. So if we think back to the time that the Australian contracts were released, the selectors were obviously planning for a one-day World Cup to be held in February, March. So that gives us an idea of the high regard in which they view Talia. So Talia is an all-rounder and she's been touted as a player with similarities to Elise Perry, which is a pretty promising thing to hear, isn't it, LJ? It absolutely is. Um, We haven't seen Talia in an Australian squad since the Ashes in 2017. She had um, a few back injuries, a few setbacks that saw her out of the national squad for a while. Um, She at one point even questioned whether she should keep bowling. She just had a massive case of the yips, but... She was on the Australia A Tour to the UK last July and did some really great work with the coaches over there and they encouraged her to just forget the injuries, forget the stress about what might happen with her back and to just let loose with the ball. And once she adjusted that mindset, she just rediscovered what she could do and between that and the improvements she's made in her batting, um, it's not hard to see why she's been given a contract. For sure. And finally, we've got Maitland Brown, who is definitely one of the more colourful personalities in the WBBL. Uh, we all we saw her Zoom press conference, which was very entertaining for members of the media. So she should be an exciting one to have around the Aussie squad. Yeah, it's great to see Maitland get a call up. She's someone who's really had to blaze her own trail um, coming up through the New South Wales pathway, like many New South Wales players, wasn't able to break into the, play, the Breakers squad. Um, at times, that's almost the Australian squad. So she was lucky enough to find an opportunity with the ACT Meteors. She packed up her bags, moved down to Canberra. I think she pulled pints in a pub for a bit because she only had a rookie contract. Um, But all that hard work and determination has paid off with this opportunity. And now looking also at the White Ferns. So the White Ferns, New Zealand, have named a 17-player squad. So Amy Satterthwaite returns after having a baby, which is Super exciting for her. We've also got a lot of familiar faces that we've all seen in the WBBL, the likes of Sophie Devine, Amelia Kerr, Leah Tahuhu. 
there's a lot of superstars in that squad. Um, Australia have won the last five T20s against New Zealand. Do you think, LJ, can, can New Zealand snap that streak? I think they definitely can. We saw the group stage of the T20 World Cup earlier this year. It went right down to the wire. Australia only won by four runs. Um, New Zealand are absolutely capable of winning a game this series. Perhaps they need to find the belief they can do that. I think there's been a lot of clutch moments in Trans-Tasman games recently and Australia seemed to have a knack of coming out on top. But there's absolutely no reason why New Zealand couldn't cause an upset here. Thank you so much for joining us on our very first episode of The Scoop. Now, make sure you tune in to the Australia versus New Zealand T20s live on Channel 7, Fox Cricket or KO. And we will be back in a week to wrap up all the action from the T20s and look ahead to the ODIs. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.